Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner, and oh, by the way, TV medical contributor for NBC, but hey, who's keeping track of all that stuff? The bottom line is that I'm here to talk with you guys about anything and everything health and wellness related, as always, so that's really the whole idea behind this podcast. So I'm so thankful for everyone who's listening and tuning in, and if you're new, welcome, glad to have you. Now, on this podcast, we talk about a variety of things, but this episode, uh, I really wanted to talk about breast cancer awareness. Now, let me backtrack. I know you're going to say, well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Well, yes, it is, but breast cancer happens throughout the year, guys. We are healthcare providers, at least many of us who are listening, and so we know that it's really, really important to talk about these things throughout the year. And I think we need to normalize these conversations so we're not just talking about it at any one given moment in time. And also want to add an element to that is I'm a healthcare professional. I've had my issues with illness, illnesses, and I don't know that we talk about it from those perspectives. So I'm going to be bringing on a special guest who is a nurse. She's going to talk to us about her nursing journey, what it's been like, what she's doing, as well as how she experienced breast cancer and what that was like from the nursing perspective, because, you know, some will say ignorance is bliss. You know, the patients don't have to worry about certain things. But when you're the healthcare professional and you know all the ins and outs and the things that could happen, should happen and, sh- you know, shouldn't happen, there's an added layer of anxiety that can be added to that. So we're going to talk about those things. So please welcome to the show. I have uh, Natasha Rossi. She graduated from Villanova's BSN Express in 2012, which by the way, is a program for people who have a second degree in another field. So I know many of you guys will have questions about that because we're always interested in how we can get into the nursing profession in a creative way. She also has a plethora of experience, guys. She has worked at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia on the oncology unit at Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for children in the ER, St. Luke's University Health Network as an outpatient oncology nurse and at the Surgery Center of Allentown in Preop, PACU. And get this, as if she's she's not tired and has plenty of time already, she's gone back to school, guys. She's going back to school to become a nurse practitioner at the Monrovian University. So she's going to do her master's in FMP. We need more FMPs in the world. So I'm so glad she's going to be joining us very soon. Uh, but please welcome to the show, Natasha. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. So thanks, Natasha, for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to fellow healthcare professionals. And something that I always like to put out there is, although we're health professionals, we're still health consumers as well. We're still vulnerable to everything that our patients and families are, you know, but I think when we talk about ourselves as nurses, it's like we have this shield around us and we simply don't. So I, you know, I read off your your resume there with all your experience, but just kind of curious, because I always like to know people's why. So it sounds like 
you had a undergrad degree in a, a different field and decided to go right. back and become a nurse. So can you tell us a yeah. little bit about your background and what called you to nursing? Yeah, so I was a psychology major at LaSalle University. And in 2005, my second year in college, um, my dad got diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. So after learning about that diagnosis and him going into hospice, I got to see what I considered the angels of the nursing field, hospice nurses. And I made a promise to him, you know, I will finish my degree because I want to be a college graduate, but I am going back to college to become a nurse. So after watching that experience, the gentle touch, the expertise, the empathy, Mm -hmm. I decided at that moment to be a nurse. Wow. I'm so glad that you were called to nursing. It always makes me feel better when there are people in the profession because they were inspired or called to do it, or they have these innate, you know, skills and talents that pulls them to the profession. I always kind of turn my nose and be like, oh, well, you guys get paid well. It's job security. I'm like, <laughs> so, and for you also to witness firsthand what it is that nursing nurses do, you know, that there's no other experience than that. So, but just for example, so if, and if, if you guys are listening and you're like, I'm thinking of wanting to become a nurse, I'm not sure. Please surround yourself with people, other nurses to kind of get that lived experience of what it's like to be a nurse. Now, you know, you got to work in hospice, which is, I have to say, one of the, and I worked ICU and ER, but I think that's really one of the hardest places to work in hospice because you know that, or excuse me, you got to witness the, the hospice element is because we are so driven to save lives, do this. And, you know, very, not not often are we really equipped or geared or trained or instructed to kind of help someone with the palliative care for those things that are inevitable and to keep them just comfortable because we're so used to doing Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, surgery, medications, you know, CPR, like all of these things. So, and I have a similar story too, about why I wanted to become a nurse. That was my dad. So here you were, you'd experienced, you've seen what the hospice, what hospice nurses do kind of, what was your first step? Like, did it ever cross your mind? Like, oh my gosh, I have this degree in something else. Do I really want to go back to school? How hard is this going to be? <laughs> Walk me through kind of that thought process and how you selected your program. So I am a very, I think about something and then I go for it. So I had made the decision to be a nurse. I looked at two programs, Villanova being one of them and Georgetown being the second. I didn't live anywhere near Georgetown. So went with Villanova. I put my application in. I want to say less than two weeks later, I was interviewing. And then Thanksgiving of 2011, I received my letter that I was accepted. So I had already known that if I was getting accepted, I was going, that this was just something that I had to do, that psychology and listening to people's problems all day, even though we do that as nurses, it was just not for me. So I gave it very little thought once I made up my mind and I never looked back. Well, that's good. And you described it as the an express program. So I think some people aren't as familiar with programs mm-hmm. like this. Was it hard to find a program that could build on your pre-existing undergrad degree? I think that they're becoming more popular now that the call for nursing is so huge. People who already have degrees that have the opportunity to just take those nursing classes, the programs are popping up everywhere. So it was intense to say the least. It was, you know, a a bachelor's degree in 14 months. So two classes at a time, clinicals on top of clinicals. But I think that these 
these express programs and the um, advanced bachelor's degree programs are geared more for people who have life experience, who already have a degree in something else, and really just need those couple of nursing courses. I'm glad you said who have life experience, because (laughs) some things that we think are common sense aren't necessarily common sense. And until you've actually lived it to know what it feels like, to know Mm -hmm. like, oh, I've seen this, what happens in these situations, that life Mm -hmm. experience really makes a big difference, I think, especially at the bedside. I mean, I know everybody wants to be honor students, Sigma Theta Tau, all those type of things. And I was a part of that. But, you know, there's really one thing to kind of be book smart as well as the smarts that you have at the clinical bedside. And there's that, that human nature, that caring component. Yeah. Now, Natasha, so, okay, you went back to school, became a nurse mm-hmm. in a very, I'm imagining this is a rigorous program because I can imagine yes. getting through <laughs> nursing school in 14 months. Oh my gosh. But, you know, again, I we had originally scheduled to interview you in October around mm-hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month because you had received a diagnosis of breast cancer. Is that correct? That is. Yes, I did. So walk us through what was going on in your life and how you uh, discovered that. So this was January of 2019. I had just started a new job. And the middle of the month is when I always do my self-exam, like a good oncology nurse, good nurse, good patient, good woman. And I felt a lump. And immediately, I immediately knew it was something. I had my husband like take a feel, I'm like, does this feel weird to you? And he was like, no, it's absolutely normal. It's absolutely normal. Well, not believing that, I called my mom and lost all of my nursing knowledge. I said, I don't know what to do. I feel a lump. And she said, call your GYN. So I called my GYN, got in with him, and he kind of brushed it off. You know, it's probably just a clogged duct or a cyst. But I really had to push for them to put that order in for the ultrasound. So a couple of days later, went for an ultrasound. And they wanted to um, do a 3D mammogram at the same time, sat back in that little room. And then I got the call where you're, you know, you're sitting around all these other women in the robes and they point to you and they bring you back into the room. And I was 34 at the time. So hadn't ever had a mammogram. I didn't know getting called into that tiny little room was the room of horrible knowledge. And they said it was a mass but couldn't rule out whether it was cancer. So we decided to do a biopsy and had that done the next day and had my results, you know, three days later, but I had already prepared myself that I knew what this was. You just get that innate feeling that, you know, as a nurse, you know, you sing the dimpling, it's a small palpable, movable mass. I, I kind of had myself prepared and knew at that time before they told me what it was, what it was. Now, let me just ask, you said that you were um, 34 at the time, never had a a mammogram. Did you have any risk factors for breast cancer that hindsight, looking back, like, you know what, I I didn't have risk factors. Did you recall any? I did. So not even putting two and two together, my dad died of pancreatic cancer, which is a BRCA1 mutation. Mm -hmm. And his mom actually had breast cancer, which um, metastasized to the ovaries, which is a BRCA1 gene. But I never put two and two together until I had seen the the gene therapy doctor that did the blood work and told me that I was BRCA1 positive. Now, and you're not alone, by the way, because I think, again, we're, we're nurses, we're healthcare providers, we're good at taking other care of other people. We can see like the writing on the wall and something jumps out at us. We're looking at trends. But when it's us, when it's us, mm-hmm. I'm guilty as charged too. Sometimes I'll look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I miss that? Why wasn't I thinking mm-hmm. about that? And you're right, all the, like your brain goes to mush 
sometimes. Yes. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, like, what do I do? You know, what, what med do they give for this? What's the treatment? Like, it's just something mm-hmm. that happens. And I actually kind of think it's a protective mechanism. So they say ignorance is bliss, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but we're going to just use that. But it's when, it's because you, if, when you don't know these things, you can not be... You can't be worried about something you don't know about, right? You don't, if you don't know, it's going right. to go down this pathway. It's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And it's happened to the best of us. I've seen cardiac surgeons, neurologists, you know, clinical nurse specialists, all of us, when it's us, it's just different than when it's, we're looking at someone else. So, so your dad had pancreatic cancer and your mother had breast cancer, BRCA1 uh, related here. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but in this process, if you have, because we don't think about pancreatic cancer when we're thinking about breast cancer, but it's right. like we isolate cancers. Like, oh, it's pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer. Oh, that's not a risk factor for breast cancer. But I think that's why it's important that we talk about this to kind of raise awareness. Yeah. Now, hindsight, that happened. Now, you felt the lump. You went in. You had to advocate. You had to push yeah. for an order. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Frustrating. And I just remember him saying, it's nothing, come back in a couple of weeks. And I just remember being so angry that since I already knew what it was, and you know how fast cancer moves, if I had waited those two weeks, I might not be here. So looking back, how frustrating it was, and had I not been a nurse and a stubborn person, I might have said, okay. So that's why I feel like this is such an important conversation to have with women and men in general, without a risk factor, with a risk factor, if you feel like something's off, advocate for yourself. Yes, that is so, yeah. so important. <laughs> and you know, again, nurses, we advocate for our patients. At least I hope that mm-hmm. you do. I'm gonna say this, it's how to love nurses, you know, you know, I love you guys, right? But there's some of you, some of us, I've been there, that especially our newer nurses, when you when you feel like you're new or you're green or not as knowledgeable about something, you're afraid to speak up when you don't get an order or something that you think might be helpful for your patient. I want Mm -hmm. to encourage you, you know, we we should never be afraid to call the doctor and ask for an order or things like that. But if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're feeling that way, one of the ways that I've worked around that was I would say to the provider that when I didn't get an order that I think I should get, I'd say, okay, well, well, thank you for that. And just for my learning purposes, for, so I for, know for next time, I was anticipating, you know, X, Y, and Z. Was I on the right track? Or can you can you help me understand why, mm-hmm. uh, why those aren't needed right now? And then perhaps I'm given an explanation, and then I learn something new, or I prompt the provider to say, oh, you know what, Alice, you're right. Let's go ahead and or- let's add that to the list too. So, but it helps to okay. create a collegial conversation. Now, I know that's with right. the patients, but when it's ourselves, you got to fight even harder, guys. You, you have yeah. to. It's like when the uh, on the airplanes, when the oxygen mask comes down, put your own oxygen mask on first so then you can help others. Mm-hmm. Now, right. okay, so you had the ultrasound, 3D imaging. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they had a conversation with you. You had a biopsy. What was mm-hmm. next in your treatment plan? What happened next? So after the biopsy was done, they brought me back three days later into that horrible little room and sitting there was the radiologist as well as a nurse navigator. And they explained to me that it was cancerous, um, that they were going to send it out for the pathology to decide if it was HER2, ERPR positive, like the, the hormone status of the cancer. And then she jumped, the nurse navigator jumped right in and told me how she was going to support me through this. Two days later, the pathology came back, went right back into that little room. And that's when they told me that I was triple negative. So having been an oncology nurse, 
I had prayed to every God, every being above that I didn't want it to be triple negative. I had just seen too many young, young women with triple negative not survive. And they told me that. And thank God my husband was sitting next to me. And when you say ignorance is bliss, he lived in that phase because he didn't know what I knew, the radiologist knew, and the nurse navigator knew. I remember just falling apart, just truly falling apart. I'm so (laughs) sorry that happened. Uh, My heart's with you. And Natasha, I'm familiar with what triple negative is, but if you can explain it to those that Mm -hmm. are listening, because I know that has to do with it, the cancer is not related to hormones. It's not related to certain things. So if you could tell us what that uh, triple negative means. Yeah. So you basically hit the nail on the head. This kind of cancer, my oncologist puts it as they, you're, this kind of cancer doesn't care about hormone status. It's not driven by estrogen receptors, uh, progesterone receptors, and then a protein in our body called the HER2 protein. So there's not a lot of easy ways to turn it off. The only way to treat it is to kill it. And it's a lot harder and it spreads a lot quicker than the other forms of breast cancer. So they do consider it the the most deadly of all of the different types, but it doesn't respond to different hormones as some other cancers do. Yeah. Yeah. So again, so, I mean, she said it very beautifully guys, but just so you understand, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, surgery, chemo, radiation, but then there's been some other therapies, um, you know, hormones and other things, cell mediated things. And listen, I'm not the oncology nurse, so don't get me to get stuff (laughs) twisted. But but what she said is it makes it all that much harder to treat. Your husband was there. Mm -hmm. You also, you know, how did your community within the nursing field support you during this time? Because as nurses, we take care of other people, but then we don't do mm-hmm. that great of a job taking care of ourselves. So when we're going through something, we don't always ask for support. I mean, so what was what was that like? I mean, did did work stop for you? How did you navigate your life after hearing that type of news? Work stopped shortly thereafter for me. Um, I wanted to make it as far as I could after starting chemo to continue to work, but I just I, I physically couldn't fight anymore. But I was so lucky to work with some amazing nurses at St. Luke's with outpatient oncology that I was able to reach out to them with questions. The doctor that I was um, a nurse to, I would text him with questions. Um, I feel like I was never alone. They were constantly checking in. Oh, did you try this for nausea? How about this for fatigue? Just giving me ideas that I couldn't think of myself. Because again, like we had talked about, your brain goes to mush every intervention goes out your head and you are just trying to survive each day. So having so many nurses in my life, whether it be the nurses that I worked with at CHOP or DuPont or St. Luke's surround me and give me ideas was absolutely phenomenal. And of course that empathy comes out as a nurse, you know, it's not just, I was their friend, but it's, I was a patient and they surrounded me with the care that they gave their patients, but now they're giving it to me. So it was, it was a really warm feeling. Oh, that's good. 
that extra support, that community really makes a big difference. Really, really makes a big difference. I don't know, guys, you've all, you know, we've all taken care of the, the, the patient who doesn't have any family or visitors and just has the, the love and support of nurses. So we, we do as much as, as we can. So I'm so, not that that was your situation, because I know you had a very supportive husband who I'm going to, you know, get in, into him next. But it's always so amazing when, you know, nursing, our community is tough, guys. We are like gang gang okay we are a crew and so it's beautiful when we can uh, love and support one another now i want to ask about your husband because he's not a nurse so he doesn't understand all of these things that are going on how did that test your relationship how was was it were you frustrated that he wasn't a nurse and you couldn't explain it to him how you know how did he try to support you because we we'd like to hear these examples so we can you know implement any golden nuggets that you have here for us So I think in the beginning, the ignorance is bliss tactic annoyed me because he kept on saying, you know, we're going to beat this. We've got this. And he was so overly optimistic that it, it just infuriated me. So after we had the initial meeting with my oncologist and she went over, you know, my treatment plan, surgeries, side effects, he kind of came down a little bit and was like, okay, this is real. Like, she's going to get sick. How can I support her? And was asking amazing questions, kind of like, you know, when do I need to bring her to the hospital? How much throwing up is too much throwing up? Asking questions for prepping our kids. We had two-year-old twins at the time. So how do we prepare them to see what mom's new life is like? So he went from, um, it's really nothing until it's something to, okay, we've got this to, okay, we've really got this because now I'm equipped with things. And he did research on the side of the different chemos that I was going to get. So that days of infusion, he was ready for it. He knew the side effects and kind of was able to stay one step ahead. So I truly commend him for not knowing anything about anything, oncology, nursing, and then being able to deal with a patient who's a nurse, which we all know is so hard. <laughs> we are the hard, we are the most difficult. Love us or hate us, guys. We are the most difficult patients because we know it's possible. And then we're like, wait a minute, they haven't been here in the last two hours, you know. And we, we're looking at the whiteboard like, mm-mm, mm-mm, you better not fill out that. You were not here every two hours, lady. But you know, it's just this thing. So I, I get you on the annoyed part. You love him, but a little annoyed because you're like, that's not how this goes. That's not how this goes. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Gosh, it's kind of like coming almost like. Full circle. So you you had this early on experience where you saw the work of a palliative care nurse. You didn't let that scare you. You actually inspired you to become a nurse. Then you mm-hmm. get diagnosed with breast cancer. You enter into the recovery phase and you decide that you want to go back for more school. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're like I, I want <laughs> I, I want all the smoke. I want it all. So like so yeah. where did that come from? So you, you had been through such a, you know such a major health challenge. Some mm-hmm. people would have said you know what. Mm-mm. I'm just going to sit on the porch. Like I'm just chilling. I'm not, I'm just going to like ride out the wave and then just enjoy life, not worry about anything. I'm not going to add any additional stressors. Right. But you were like, no, I'm going to go back to become a nurse practitioner. So where did that idea come from? I think just getting a second chance at life that I wanted everything I could attain. I wanted to keep learning because I got to see what it is to be a patient. I got to see what it is to receive amazing care. I wanted to provide that to patients. I wanted to diagnose and treat and be that resource and that rock and foundation for a patient. I I just, I wanted so much more from life that I said, 
you know what, I'm going to get my FNP, then maybe my DNP. I just want to keep on going because I've received this second chance at life. Child, she said she's going to go for the DNP. Now, listen, <laughs> I, I, did, I did the FNP. And like, so I actually was slated to kind of go forward for my doctorate. But with the pandemic, it you know, obviously things got, mm-hmm. uh, schedules got changed. But that's like getting married. I mean, you're already married, but it's like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, get, going back to school, guys, is like a full-blown relationship. We go together. Like, you and that textbook yeah. go together. That's it, right? Like, your family is the the mistress. That's what happens when you're in school. <laughs> it is. And it just is. And, you know, I commend you on that because, you know what? We don't always get a second chance at life or a do-over. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I've had my own health challenges as well. And actually, it was after that health health challenge that you're right. I went back to become a clinical nurse specialist. Now, now it's all coming back to me. You do. You kind yeah. of get the second wind. You get the second mm-hmm. wind to, you know, it's like you're thankful. You're so thankful that yeah. you were able to get what you got through and you want to help someone else. You really right. want to help someone else. And I think that's, you know, a major foundation of being a nurse. We care so much about other people. We do for people what they can't do for themselves. And so where are you in your nurse practitioner program now? I just started clinical. Okay, started clinical. So technically third year, one year left of clinical. One year left. Okay. Almost in the (laughs) home stretch, guys. So when would would graduation be happening? When will? August of next year. August. Yeah. Oh, it's less less than a year. We're in the countdown. Right? Uh, we're somewhat in the countdown. It doesn't feel like Yay! it, but we're getting there. <laughs> no, you're not. Those soap notes are not going to let you feel like you're in the countdown until you get all those oh, hours, Lord. those OSCEs and all the other stuff. So all my nurse yeah. practitioners, you guys know the pain, the, the pain we're talking about right now, but it, mm-hmm. you know, and then for those of you who aren't healthcare professionals, just know that we have to complete a certain amount of clinical hours. And then even as a nurse practitioner, there are these notes and other things that we have to do. And, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the work because it's supposed to prepare us for what's at the bedside. But I'll know a good nurse practitioner when I see them at in the bedside in, in action. Not I'm not going to be like, well, can you show me your transcript? Can you show me yeah. your, your project? <laughs> like, what did you what was your thesis? Like, that's important stuff for academically. Absolutely. But, you know, the mm-hmm. mannerisms, the life experience, the compassion, the drive, you know, I really mm-hmm. want to know why someone wanted to become a healthcare provider because that story is going to show in the work that they do. So gosh, Natasha, you've been through so much, but you're on the other (laughs) side of it. Yes. So before we let you go, because this has been such a colorful experience, we've touched on so many things. If you could say something to your younger self, if you had a message, like a a message you can put in a bottle and it travel time to your younger self, uh, what message Mm -hmm. would that be? Or maybe something you wish you knew then that you didn't. That you can always have a second chance. You can give yourself a second chance. You don't have to wait until a life-altering event to start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say to anybody who is whatever age and is listening to this because they are considering becoming a nurse, you can change your life. You have a second chance at whatever you want to do. Yes, I so agree with that. It doesn't matter how old you are either. Because I want you to know some people right. are like, oh, I'm too old to go back to school. No, you're not. Now, it might take you a little longer to do those notes and those concept maps and all that other stuff, but (laughs) because when we're younger, our our minds just absorb faster and more, but you can do it. And with life experience, it's very, very doable. I think, you know, especially when you're doing something that you love, it doesn't necessarily always Mm -hmm. feel like work per se. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. So 
you guys, there are second chances. It doesn't matter yeah. if you went to school for engineering, you went for culinary school, whatever you went to school for, you still can become a nurse uh, or a healthcare provider, whichever, you know, in the business of helping to take care of other people. We welcome you, especially after this pandemic. We need you. We definitely, definitely yes. need you. <laughs> and then also before we, we end the conversation, I know October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but it didn't matter that we're no longer in the month of October. Natasha had a very important story to share. I hope you guys all were listening. Whether you're a male or female, whether you have risk factors or not, it's something that we really need to be mindful of. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that she talked about doing, still doing breast self-breast exams because some textbooks and organizations, governing bodies will say, oh, it's not necessarily required. Yes, it is. Right. You need to know your body. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. to know your body. So then that way, if you know your body, then you can come to me and tell me what's going on and we can, you know, get you the care that we, that you need. Yes. So this has been so great, Natasha, just for the people, if, you know, if they wanted to learn more about your story or have you come and speak it for their group or anything like that, is there a way that people can get a hold of you or follow you on social or some, something to that effect? Yeah, I'm on social media. I, at one point during my, my cancer journey, I had a blog that I can send the link to and it gives the raw truth of what it's like to go through chemo as a nurse, as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, as a human. So I am available on all platforms and I welcome questions. I welcome any universities that want to answer questions. I have become quite the little knowledge base of triple negative breast cancer, I'd like to say. (laughs) Yes. And so thank you for extending that offer. It's always helpful when Sometimes people have questions and they're not necessarily going to make a, an appointment with their healthcare provider and pay that copay mm-hmm. to ask what they feel is like a, a silly question. It's not a silly question. The silly question is the right. one not asked. So you guys, you have mm-hmm. Natasha here. She is a nurse. She's going to become a, a family nurse practitioner. She has all of the oncology experience professionally and personally. So yes. if you want to know something... Natasha's your girl. Okay, let's make sure we ask her. We'll share, Natasha, we'll share the, the link to your blog and whatever you send us on the nurse.org website so they can kind of hyperlink to that. So that'll be helpful. But again, Great. Natasha, thank you so much for your time. We really thank appreciate you. you. It's not easy to share your personal journey. It's not. But I believe by you sharing your journey, you've empowered more people than you can imagine to take the steps for their own care. And then as well as right. to not give up when they've been met with some type of health challenge. Okay. So guys, we're here for you. We want you, we want, we're here to support you and nurse.org is here to support you, which by the way, let me shout them out. If you don't already, please visit nurse.org. Anything and everything you want to know about nursing and other allied health professions, how to get into school NCLEX, advancing your career, different specialties. It's all there. And nurse.org just plumb straight out, loves and supports nurses. So make sure to visit their website. I'm your host, Nurse Alice, Alice Benjamin. Um, You can follow me on all social platforms at Ask Nurse Alice. And you guys, this has been the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share this with a friend, a coworker, a buddy, you name it, sharing is caring. And by the way, I do appreciate you not only just listening, but when you subscribe, like, rate, leave a comment, any of those things, you know, send me an email at nursealice at nurse.org. Let me know what you want to talk about, what you want to, what you're thinking, because this show is for you. We want to make sure that we're providing you with helpful information, personally, professionally, uh, related to nursing and healthcare and wellness. So guys, until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. 
Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.